A tragic accident involving an amphibious vehicle, commonly known as a duck boat, has claimed the lives of 17 people, including 9 members of one family. It happened on Table Rock Lake near the tourist town of Branson, Missouri, as two different duck boats carrying dozens of passengers were hit by a severe thunderstorm on the evening of July 19, 2018. While one boat was able to make it to shore safely, the other boat carrying 31 people unfortunately capsized, with 17 people losing their lives. Here's what Jim Pattison Jr., the president of Ripley Entertainment, who actually owns the duck boat company, had to say to CBS this morning. It's the best of our knowledge, and we don't have a lot of information right now, but there was a, uh, it was a fast-moving storm that came out of basically uh, nowhere, is, is sort of the verbal uh, analysis I've got. Uh, but, uh, but that's where there's a lot of pushback from meteorologists and the weather community. While this was a very unfortunate and tragic accident, could it have been avoided? Was this preventable? We'll explore these questions on this episode of Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Castle. And I'm Min. So stick around because this episode is coming up next. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm When I get gone, I get gone And I don't need anyone to know better Hey everybody, um, it's great to have you with us today, and Castle and I actually recorded a different podcast episode prior to this uh, tragic accident occurring um, on Thursday of earlier this week, and we felt like it was really, really important that we talk about the duck boat incident in Branson, Missouri, and kind of dissect the event and really dig into um, some of the things we've been seeing people talking about, especially on Weather Twitter about, you know, is this accident preventable? Were there things that could have been done? And um, really a lot of the words that were from the um, owner of the Ripley Entertainment um, owner who said that, you know, the weather came out of nowhere, that has really struck a lot of people's nerves in the weather community. And so we thought it'd be really important to kind of talk about that and, and bring up some of the other people's opinions that we've been seeing that we think are pretty valuable for understanding this event. Yeah, I think it's really a weather communication question um, really at the heart of this is whether these individuals received weather information or whether they knew about the weather threat at all. Um, so yeah. I think that's kind of where maybe we should start is like the timeline of the weather information that we as a community provided to the yeah. area. So at 1120 in the morning uh, central time, there was a severe thunderstorm watch that was issued for the area from the Storm Prediction Center. And so normally, again, when you see a severe thunderstorm watch for your area or for any area, that is showing you and telling you that, you know, conditions are favorable for the development of uh, of strong storms. It it could be tornadoes, but mainly Mm -hmm. strong severe thunderstorms that could produce, you know, large hail, strong damaging winds, certainly lightning and flooding. Those are all things that you see with a severe thunderstorm. But this was posted at 11.20 in the morning. And uh, the warning, the severe thunderstorm warning came out um, a little bit later in the evening, right, Castle? Yeah, it actually came out at 6.32 p.m. Central Time, about seven hours later than the watch. So we have a good significant amount of time between uh, kind of 
the Storm Prediction Center saying, hey, there is the threat for severe thunderstorms, and then them actually taking place about seven hours later. And roughly about half an hour after that severe thunderstorm warning was issued, that was when the duck boat capsized, unfortunately, into the lake. There were winds between 65 and 75 miles per hour at the time, but these winds were actually preceding the storm itself that moved into the area later on at around 7.30. The winds were caused by what we call in meteorology an outflow boundary. Uh, There's other terms for it as well, including gust front, but essentially what that means is when a thunderstorm develops and rain starts to fall, it cools down the air and colder air in the atmosphere is is denser, so it sinks and moves vertically um, towards the ground. This motion then forces a lot of wind to develop, and as this wind moves from the upper atmosphere towards the ground and spreads out as it hits the ground, this is what we feel as a gust front or you know something of that phenomena, an outflow boundary. And that's the wind that we feel before a storm comes into our area. So an outflow boundary is what happened when this situation occurred. And that was the strong winds that were whipping up the waves on the lake. And unfortunately, the boat sank as a result of uh, this phenomenon. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that, um, I don't know, I mean, I, I just don't know enough about like how they warn for storms and all that kind of stuff. But I, it makes me wonder whether they normally warn for outflow boundaries and that kind of stuff. Because it's it's coming 30 minutes before the boat actually capsizes, and but then the thunderstorm doesn't actually arrive until 7.30. So yeah, is this like a... This could also be part of the narrative of it coming out of nowhere, like the... But also the wind. And I, I, I don't want to speculate. I yeah. want to talk to somebody who knows more about it, um, seeing that we're a little bit short on time um, and bring this together where you're not able to do that. But I'd like for somebody to reach out to us and let us know when you're warning for severe thunderstorms, do you consider the velocity of the wind from an outflow boundary, the wind that precedes the storm, as part of the criteria for issuing a severe thunderstorm warning? Well, I, I want to say yes, because yeah. they have the information wind there is for wind, them, I you think. Know? Yeah, wind is wind, I yeah. think, right? So if they're expecting 58 mile per hour winds, no matter how it's actually created, I think that they would create a warning for that. Yeah, or some kind of a, a wind advisory, at least, or some kind of product for that. But I think it's important, you know, going back to what you said about the owner of the entertainment company right. that was in charge of the duck boats. He said, um, here, actually, you guys can hear for yourself what he said. Take a listen. Here is the president of Ripley Entertainment, the owner of Ride the Ducks. He joins us on the phone from Branson this morning. Good morning to you, Mr. Patterson. Uh, good morning. Hello. I know that this is a very difficult, terrible, painful day for you and your company and devastating to the lives that were lost. So we really appreciate you taking the time right now. Can you tell us what are you hearing from your team about what went wrong? Well, uh, we don't we don't know. First of all, it is absolutely devastating. and. Our hearts and prayers go out to everyone that's been affected. And uh, this business has been operating for 47 years, and we've never had an incident like this or anything close to it. Um, to the best of our knowledge, and we don't have a lot of information right now, but there was a uh, it was a fast-moving storm that came out of basically uh, nowhere. Is is sort of the verbal. Uh, analysis I've got, uh, but uh, should the boat have been on the water, Mr. Patterson? Weren't the weather reports calling for bad weather? Well, not at, it, it didn't show that it was apparently it was moving at a at a higher rate of speed from what I I know, and I don't know I don't have all the details, 
but to answer your question, no, it shouldn't have been in the water if, uh, if, uh, if what happened happened. Mr. Patterson, it's John Dickerson here. Are, does the boat have life jackets on it? Yes. And are the passengers required to wear them? No, under law they're not required to wear them and uh, usually the lake is very placid and uh, and it's not a long tour they go in and kind of around an island and back and we'd had other uh, boats in the water earlier and uh, it had been a very sort of calm experience up until this came very suddenly if the, if the boat isn't was it shouldn't have been on the water is this the kind of thing for which the pilots or captains of the boats train and are prepared for this kind of an event well absolutely and I you know again it, 47 years nothing's happened they know the the waters in the area are our captain uh, has 18 years of experience with us 16 years of experience with us so uh, and you know they they have a very good record so uh, again this seems to be uh, sort of almost a micro storm effect of something that no one is expecting to happen the way that it did mr. Pat terrible event we thank you very much mr. Patterson for joining us this morning okay thank you it makes us even more heartbreaking as there were children among the dead. We know there are seven that are in the hospital right now. One is in critical condition. So, of course, we'll be continuing to follow the story and appreciate that he was able to join us. Really applaud that he would speak at such a time because most, in most cases like this, executives at that level are hiding for the hills. But they release a statement saying we don't know. So, as you can see, the, the owner of the entertainment company actually said it came out of nowhere. But he, if you listen, if you go back and listen to it, he seemed like really hesitant to use those words. And I don't know if that was like from a PR perspective or he was trying to, uh, I'm sure he's like extremely overwhelmed that this terrible tragedy happened like on his watch, like on his company. So I'm just curious, like how those words actually came into play because that those words, it came out of nowhere is really the big aspect of this, uh, this tragedy, like coming out of it from a weather perspective is, all of our communities kind of in uproar about him using the words it came out of nowhere that's something that i think a lot of meteorologists we are really sick and tired of hearing yeah. because we know that we're good at forecasting and when we hear this narrative that quote unquote it came out of nowhere it was unexpected there was without warning and we think to ourselves no we we warned you we told you about all this stuff we've we let you know why do you keep throwing us under the bus you know like we're not trying to take away from the tragedy, but a lot of meteorologists feel as if we're always made the scapegoat right. of a situation. And, and that kind of, to us, can invalidate a lot of the successes that we've had and also undermine all the credibility that we have as well. So when something else happens and they're like, well, you know, it came out of nowhere or, you know, unexpected, those types of terms, that narrative is really detrimental mm -hmm. and damaging, I think, to um, our credibility as meteorologists. But there's a lot of different ways to look at it, right, Castle? The, the people who were affected, who right. was getting the information, um, there are definitely two parties involved here. The people who are on the boat, the, the visitors or tourists, but also the tour boat company and their staff, their administration. Right, yeah. um, from a weather uh, information standpoint, the reception of the information and the products that we put out for them, um, there are two different audiences. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So I think, and this kind of comes out in some of the uh, tweets and different things that we're seeing on weather Twitter, there's really kind of two big camps 
when it comes, or I don't want to say can'ts, but there's two big themes that arise when I'm looking through all the different weather Twitter tweets that are out there. One being the kind of grouping of uh, more meteorologists that are thinking about this in terms of the products that we issue, as you kind of mentioned. We issue so many products. Uh, we have warnings. We have storm prediction center, like convective outlooks. We have like mesoscale discussions. We have satellites and radars and all of these different things that we kind of push out to the public. Yeah, there's one um, tweet from Dr. Marshall Shepard. He's the uh, host of Weather Geeks and uh, our past professor at University of Georgia. Um, he wrote, quote, this is not 1901. We have satellites, advanced radars, good weather models. All short-term weather information showed that storms approaching well before the boat was on the water. So, no, that's yeah. his rationale. Um, Rick Smith also said the Southwest Missouri storms yesterday were not a surprise. They did not, quote-unquote, come out of nowhere, and they most certainly did not strike with no warning. If someone says this, it's likely because they weren't paying attention to all the available information that gave plenty of advance notice. So thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, so I think that is that's one perspective. I mean, that is a perspective that we have in the weather community that we we have all these products, we have all this information at our disposal, and what we do is disseminate it. We send it out. We 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 send it out to the public in hopes that they will read it or see it, or pay attention to it, or act on it. And I think that's kind of a big assumption that we're making as a community, that whatever we're creating or putting out is actually being taken up, it's being read, it's being digested, it's being paid attention to, and then it's finally being acted on. And I think we can't kind of make those assumptions anymore. And like Rick said at the very end there, like they're probably not getting this information. And I think that's where we kind of need to go from this tragedy is thinking about what are different ways that we can educate people, um, kind of inform them about different resources that we have, um, making sure that they're thinking about weather information before they do certain activities. Um, I think there are a lot of different ways that we can go about learning from this incident, but also I think the biggest thing that we need to do as a community is try and walk away from this kind of perspective that we have this information, we send it out there, the public automatically sees it and they do, they react to it and they do everything right because we send it out there. We can send a message until we're blue in the face, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to hear it. I'm going to act on it. We can't yeah. make those assumptions. I mean, there's so many parts to this whole situation. And if you're looking at social science and meteorology in general, a lot of times we focus on when they get the message, how do they react to it? What kind of actions do they take? Yep. In this situation, I don't even know if we get that far down the yep. the scale. Yep. Essentially, these people may not even receive this information at all. And so they don't receive the information. Then we can't even look into whether they acted or didn't act on the information that they that we put out through Correct. our you know severe weather products. So, you know, when we think about other episodes we've done where on your cell phone you have those wireless emergency alert system. Yeah. They only warn you for a tornado warning and a flash mm -hmm. flood warning, yep. but they don't warn you for a severe thunderstorm warning. I'm thinking the only way you would know from, you know, that there's a severe thunderstorm warning would be if you have an external uh, weather app on your phone, a weather yeah. channel app, a local news app or something or AccuWeather app, something like that. Those may tell you if you if you turn it on. And also if you're looking at your phone, right? Like if you're not looking at your phone, yep. which I'd imagine maybe people may not have been at that time. Some people may have been, some people may not be. Um, 
it's really difficult. And if you look at the demographics of the people on the boat, a lot of them were young children. A lot of them were elderly people as well. So mm-hmm. do they even have access to a smartphone? Are they relying on other people in the family or their other friends that are on that boat themselves to get that information? There's so many different elements to this whole entire yeah. uh, unfortunate situation. And I want people to look at this and have a more broader perspective rather than you know thinking, okay, we put the product out there, like you said, why didn't they like this was totally preventable we get that yes it was totally preventable now let's dig a little bit deeper and try yeah. to figure out why and i think um angela fritz at capital weather gang in washington post um her tweet uh was pretty interesting she wrote quote unquote here's what i think though if you wake up and check the weather and it says storms possible tornadoes unlikely then what happened yesterday, referring to the duck boat incident, what happened yesterday evening was was unexpected. Maybe not unexpected for us in terms of the weather community, yeah. but obviously unexpected for residents. Those who those are the people who matter, yeah. not us. Um, thoughts on that? I love that. I mean, just I I read that tweet before, but just reading it, you reading it out again, made me really see her new perspective on the word. Uh, Oh, what word did she use? Like not came out of nowhere, but unexpected. That was the word she yeah. used, right? Unexpected. Yeah. And I think yeah. the use of that term alone, like the language of that word unexpected can mean so many different things because it depends on what you expect. Like there are conditions that require uh, kind of personal, like individual differences of what someone expects out of their day in terms of weather when they wake up or they go out and do things. And our terms and our our kind of understanding and perception of expected is a lot different than someone that we just run into on the street. Yeah. So I really think that that's that's such a great way to think about it because our expected is different from uh, someone else's expected, even in the weather community. Like, I mean, just being like completely honest, I didn't know that there was a severe weather threat for that area because I mean, I'm nose deep in books right now and it's not my area. Like it's not something that I should be doing right now. So even my Mm -hmm. expected is different from someone else's expected. Um, But I think that's such a great way to think about it because it's important for us to start thinking about other perspectives. It's really uh, hard sometimes to get out of kind of weather Twitter and our weather community. And I still think that we're using Twitter wrong ever since we had that interview with Janine I keep seeing whether Twitter being kind of this we're talking to each other like no one else can see us and I I just don't think it's healthy in order to do that I mean we're losing an opportunity to be speaking with lots of different people about weather and informing them sure but that's a whole other topic um (laughs) but but you know Coming from that, though, I've, I mean, the things that we're quoting and, and reading off to our listeners right now are from Twitter, and we've had a lot of healthy debate, I think, um, on it. So, you know, our, our friend Ashley Morris, who's an emergency management planner in Texas, she wrote, um, my take, we need more companies to be educated on their role with weather monitoring and public safety. All event staff are the only link between the life and death of their customers. They make the yeah. calls. There are plenty of weather decision support companies to help. And yeah, Thread continues. True. We'll link you guys all to that as well. But that was what I was referring to earlier as like, this is a completely different group of people 
that we're expecting to get this weather information. Um, to me, personally, I feel like if there's any company that has this type of responsibility over their customer, whether it's on a boat, on a lake, or you know, skydiving, or whatever kind of outdoor activity that's really affected by the weather, they should always be on top of the situation. And for them, I'm I'd be very interested to see like what protocols they have in place, how yeah. they actually monitor the weather, and if there's any relationship between them and like their local forecasters, whether broadcasts or National Weather Service or uh, something like that. Because mm-hmm. to me, it it is almost like a no brainer that the duck boat company has a huge obligation to check the weather and know exactly what they do, not only for their customers, but for their safety or their staff as well. Because when you're out on a boat and you're in a lake, like there's so many things that could go wrong. And the quote from earlier of from uh, from Jim saying that you know they've been operating for almost 40 years and nothing's yeah. happened yet yeah. like that is not an, excuse. not an excuse that is yeah. not acceptable to yeah. say that oh well it hasn't happened yet so this happened i mean if we looked at every situation like that and we just didn't plan for something because it just hasn't happened yet i mean are we going to wait for a huge tragedy like this to happen before we start doing stuff it seems like unfortunately yes that's the answer you have to wait for something bad yeah. to happen and for people to die before you do something but you know, this is, to me, common sense knowledge that this company should have been on top of the weather. Maybe it isn't the responsibility of the tourists to be on top of the weather. It would be nice if they were understanding of the weather conditions and and knew what was going on. But again, you're on vacation. There are other things that you're probably thinking about. And when you're on vacation and in vacation mode, nobody thinks that tragedy is going to strike. You don't think you're going to lose almost everybody in your family. Like, that's that's awful and tragic and terrible and nobody is thinking about that we're all trying to have fun or you know doing whatever so no one's you know that's not coming to their mind so for them i feel like the people who are giving these people the the time of their lives should Mm -hmm. be monitoring the weather so that they can ensure that these tourists and families are able to have fun and be safe at the same time yeah you just saying that made me think of another kind of factor that i don't know if we're considering right now is what if uh, kind of a customer or an individual was weather aware, but they didn't feel like they had the power to kind of tell yeah, the staff that, members that is... or inform them about it, or perhaps they felt like their knowledge and expertise uh, kind of dwindled the weather threat because, oh, they they do this all the time, so they should know when it's safe and when it's not safe. So I think that there could potentially even be kind of this power struggle that's taking place between levels of expertise in operating a duck boat and how that impacts um, the situation. I mean, if you were to put yourself in that situation, which I'm not doing this to be insensitive about it, but if I were on that boat and I looked at my radar and looked at, you know, I felt the winds from the outflow boundary, I would think to myself, okay, this is getting kind of scary. And I'd want to be like, okay, captain of the boat, what are we doing? Where where are we going? What's going on? But I don't know that I would be like, we have to turn around. We have I to know, go because hard. I'm sure to them, it would be like, oh, we've done this for a while. Nothing bad has ever happened. Yeah. You know, like, and I would be like, oh, okay, cool. I trust you. Like, I trust you because you know how to operate the boat. You've been doing this forever. I have not been operating a duck boat forever. So I don't know. So I'm going to trust you, even though I know from my weather expertise, we shouldn't be out on that lake, you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's almost like your expertise is being trumped by someone else's expertise because they like it's the situation that you're in. It's the context that you're being put in. It kind of yeah. alters um, who wins out or who is able to make a decision um, based on the information that you're being given or provided, even if it's information that you feel more 
kind of an expert in the decision that's being made is more of a decision that's in the realm of the other expert, like driving some, uh, some like a vehicle of some sort. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a difficult position to be put in. Um, but another point that I wanted to bring up is something that we didn't, you didn't really mention in your discussion is like private sector weather companies. So I feel like there yeah, is yeah. potential to have like uh, private sector companies be kind of your, your provider of weather information, because I know like AccuWeather does a lot of uh, trains and uh, I'm pretty sure anyway, they do a lot of, trains. A lot of logistics stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they do a lot of like locomotives and that kind of stuff. So I feel like that could also be helpful. Another private company could be useful in providing weather information to like this boating company. Um, I just think that they need to have some sort of resource um, that allows them to have briefings or some sort of information that is specifically sent to them and then have policies or procedures in place in order to be more on point when it comes to weather information. And I think like, you know, the resources are certainly there. I think that if you are an operator of some kind of company like this, then, you know, you should have a staff member, right? you know, looking at the situation and being like, okay, there is clearly the NWS website. And if not that, you know, you can rely on the Weather Channel or AccuWeather to see the information mm-hmm. to know what's going to happen later on that day. Um, but I just don't know that there's official training for somebody in that capacity. I think a great opportunity here would be for, you know, every local area, if you are affected by weather and your company, you know, you take care of people or customers or whatever, then maybe this can be that wake up call for you to contact your local meteorologist. You can contact your local broadcaster if you'd like. You can talk to the NWS if you'd like. And like make a relationship, establish yeah. some kind of rapport so that you can know what to do in the future and avoid something like this. Because I think somebody said, yeah, the training um, is out there, the resources are out there, but things like this cost money. And then somebody replied back with, well, I'm pretty sure these lawsuits are going to cost a lot more money yeah. than it would have cost for you to prepare and and prevent something like this from happening. So, and a lot of times, you know, these services can be free. They're not, you don't have to pay yep. necessarily for them. But, you know, when something like this is happening, like whether you're an amusement park or duck boat rides on a lake or whatever, if you're affected by the weather, I hope that there's some kind of connection with the National Weather Service or another private sector company that can really give you that information to keep the people that you're taking care of safe. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. All it takes is like a quick phone call to the local NWS office. Just introduce yourself tell them about your business and just like strike up a conversation and just have uh, have those conversations and build relationships like they do all kinds of decision support services through Facebook and through Twitter. Um, they have all different kinds of outlets that can kind of meet your company's needs. That's what they're there for. They're there to serve the people. And we're all part of that. We're all people and we're all in this together. So I think that having those resources and knowing just that you can reach out to these specific individuals and start building those relationships when there isn't any bad weather happening. I think that's what is really important. So to bring us back down to reality, though, like the people who are listening to our our episode or listening to folks on Weather Twitter, most of them probably don't own their own company where this could happen. So who's like, where do we move from here? Mm -hmm. Do NWS meteorologists now think about like, oh, in my area, in my region, you know, there are certain companies that I might try to reach out to, or do these companies looking at this tragic accident 
reevaluate their own operations and say, oh, maybe I should reach out to somebody. Do they know who to reach out to? You know, like to us, it's obvious like that they should reach out to the NWS or uh, a meteorologist, but to these people, to everyday people, like who can they even reach out to? Like, what are they supposed to do? How do they develop these plans? Is it the local emergency operations or emergency management office that helps them establish these types of plans. I think that might be part of the answer because mm-hmm. I, you know, working with emergency management before, I know that we tried to scope out different companies and organizations that are responsible for a large group of people on a day-to-day basis. And we made sure that, you know, we talked to them, made sure they had a plan. So maybe that's where they go. And then they can be directed to other meteorologists to help, you know, develop that plan further to make sure that people are safe. Um, but just, you know, just to make sure that we understand that not everyone necessarily knows oh, where yeah, to get the sure. information from, but we we definitely know and we want to help other people get the information they need to develop those plans. But um, just from sometimes I think, you know, not us specifically, and sometimes we do, but meteorologists in general, like this is the whole point of this episode. Sometimes we need to look up and look around us and realize that not everyone thinks the same way we do, you know? Yeah. And I also wonder, I haven't had a chance to look at the AMS um, new statement that they put out on like outdoor venue and weather policies, but I wonder if that's something that we could kind of package and uh, make more broadly available for these companies that are kind of interested in going down different policies at least those would be some sort of best practices and what ways that they can think about this it may not be tailored to kind of companies like the duck boat company but perhaps they could gather some best practices from it i don't know the best way to kind of package that because i know no one's going to be like let me search for ams you know um yeah but i wonder if there was a way that we could better create that or package that in a certain way that would be a lot to think about um you know unfortunately this is a terrible incident that occurred but you know from anything that that we've done in the past like these type of things spur a lot of conversation and i think the conversations are positive and you know unfortunately yeah bad things have to happen for good changes to occur after that and this might be one of those incidences but you know having this conversation i think is super important and i'm glad that we're doing so And also something that I kind of wanted to point out, which I had a Twitter conversation with someone about is uh, this idea of negativity bias. And this is kind of like what we're seeing here with this incident and being it called out as it came out of nowhere. Um, It's kind of this idea of it jumping on meteorologists and pointing out when the bad times happen. Um, And I kind of want to acknowledge that there are a lot of good times and people appreciate the warnings and the information that we're putting out there. They're just not being yeah, vocal yeah. about it because it's not something that is like super devastating and impactful. Like they, yeah. like their barbecue is successfully planned because they got weather information that it was going to be sunny today and rainy tonight. Just, I think we need, as meteorologists, we kind of get bogged down and like by the kind of attacks that kind of happen to our community. And I think mm-hmm. that we need to also remember, like, there are a lot of people who are extremely happy and grateful and really thankful for the work that we're doing and the information that we're able to provide to them. Um, yeah. It's just that these kind of negative incidents really get the most uh, chatter, attention, publicity. Yeah, attention, publicity. So... 
it's important to have these conversations and I think it's great that these ideas come from it. Let's continue them, but also just remember that there are a lot of people who are really grateful for the work that we're doing. Exactly. Thanks for adding that in. That's exactly important. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys have any ideas or proposals for how we can connect these businesses with the right resources and, and information, um, reach out to us, connect with us and let us know too. And, and we can maybe uh, have more of a conversation about it. Um, I think that's where it really, uh, really, really starts. Like we can podcast about it, right, Castle? But right. let's actually let's put some actionable change. items, yeah. and and yeah, let's get some change going and make sure that we're doing all that we can as you know, podcast hosts, but also a weather community on social media and a weather community beyond social media. Um, and I think that's a, a great uh, place to uh, to to do it on social media to talk about mm-hmm. the ideas, but then let's bring it to action and and uh, make something happen. Because I think this could be like a great thesis or like dissertation uh, for like a emergency manager trying to connect like their weather expertise um, by reaching out to these companies. Or it could be like a good intern position for maybe an NWS person, uh, like NWS student to have a project where they reach out to businesses and help them write emergency outdoor plans. Or I don't know. I think there are a lot of really cool things that we could put together that involves students um, because we're always happy to create opportunities for students and get them doing things that they love because it's just great. We're going to wrap this up, uh, this episode up. As always, you can find us on facebook.com slash weatherhype or weatherhypepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, both words weather and hype, or send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. If you like what you hear or have suggestions for what you want to hear in the future, feel free to comment on uh, our, our episodes. You can do that via all those avenues that we just suggested, or you can leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere that you get this podcast. We'll be releasing the episode that we initially intended to be released this week. We'll have that ready to go for you guys next week. Um, and so that way you get an episode two weeks in a row. Yeah, we've been a little uh, busy, but we're glad that we're able to do this now um, and talk about some of the important issues in our community and, and things that we're uh, talking about. Hot button topics for sure. Yeah, I think it's great that we're able to have this conversation and hopefully stir up some more Uh, conversation in the future to keep this stuff going because it's important we have these incidents and sometimes the conversation kind of peaks and then just dies away so i think it's important that we keep it keep it going keep keep the information flowing so until next time until next time stay stay hyped hey guys it's castle i just wanted to quickly provide an update on the duck boat investigation since recording the episode earlier in the week there have been several updates and we just wanted to make sure that we got those out to you along with this episode um, so since recording the national transportation safety board has started their investigation and has found out two key things that kind of relate back to some of our conversation throughout the podcast episode the first being that there is some evidence that the duck boat company actually received some sort of weather information prior to the tour beginning. Um, There's some evidence that the tour changed its course twice. There's some evidence that shows that the duck boat actually started in water when normally these tours start out on land and then go to the water. So there's some evidence that they may have been trying to beat out the weather. Um, So we'll have to wait and see once the report comes back to see whether that was the case or not. The second piece of information is that the duck boat company actually gets their weather information from a subscription service. So this is likely some sort of private sector company. So it seems that the company did actually receive information on the severe weather threat, 
but we're not sure how they disseminated that information out to their staff, the rest of their employees, and how they actually made decisions based on that weather information. So we're hoping that that will actually come from the report from the National Transportation Safety Board. Unfortunately, gathering all this information and doing undergoing this investigation really takes some time. Um, so they're not sure at what point we'll actually get this report back. Um, they're hoping before 2018, but in all likelihood, it may end up being in 2019. Either way, I'm hoping that from this investigation, perhaps we'll get better ways that we can kind of disseminate weather information throughout an organization, but also hopefully there will come back some safety recommendations for duck boats in general. As always, you can find all of this information that we've talked about on this podcast episode on our website, including these updates that I just gave you. Um, So you'll have to check it out. That's all for now. We'll see you next time.